Alright guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs over, over a coffee. coffee. So today we have with us uh, back Dr. Amy Morrison. Dr. Amy Morrison is a chief resident at the Hospital of University of Pennsylvania, and she's going to be talking to us today about applying into pediatric and adolescent gynecology. Welcome back, Amy. Yay, thank you for having me. Amy, tell us a little bit about how you became interested uh, in pediatric and adolescent gynecology. Going to go into pediatrics for residency, and then I did my OBGYN rotation and loved it. So I've always sort of been interested in pediatric. Um, And then in medical school, I had some exposure to child abuse population. Um, I had exposure to um, the trans and gender diverse adolescent population. And so I've always just sort of had an interest Um, And then as I became a resident, I sort of explored other opportunities, mostly through Turner um, Syndrome Research. Um, But now I'm excited. I'll be starting a fellowship at Cincinnati Children's Hospital in the fall. So Amy, we're super excited to have you here um, because certainly from what I can remember in residency training, pediatric adolescent gynecology is not one of those, um, if you will, big four fellowships, right? It's a little bit more unusual to do PAG. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is? Yes, absolutely. Um, So PAG is Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology, or PAGs. Um, And I really think of it as twofold. So it's kind of like REI without the infertility. So there's a lot of endocrine issues such as PCOS, congenital adrenal hyperplasia, um, disorders of sexual development. There's also contraception, menstrual problems, um, and increasingly trans uh, and gender diverse care. There's also a surgical subspecialty. So mostly because the patients are younger, um, they focus on minimally invasive surgery, which I think is really cool. Um, So they do surgeries for malaria anomalies, ovarian cysts, and then in some places also do colorectal malformations. So it's extremely wide variety, um, which if you're interested in OBGYN and the variety of that, um, you know, you can continue to have that in this specialty, but you're right. It is new. Um, there's only about 13 fellowship programs in the country. Um, but hopefully that will be changing over time as it grows and expands. And so I guess, Amy, you know, one of the things that I'm happy that we're talking to you specifically about with this is that like most residents, as you've alluded to, um, Many places do not have exposure to PAG trained faculty or have like a PAG fellowship built in. So as we're thinking about residency and say I'm interested in doing PAG, what do I need to do to kind of gain the exposure I need to say, yes, this is what I want to do and also to set me up for applying for fellowship down the road? Yeah, I think it's um, a common problem. I came from a program that did not have a specific PAG fellowship either. So I think if it's something that you are interested in, it's never too early to start exploring it. Um, And if you don't have a direct PAG fellowship program associated with your residency, there are ways to kind of get creative about it. If you have a nearby children's hospital, um, you can always reach out to someone there. Um, Or if you don't, does your program have someone who seems who specializes in teen pregnancy or adolescent GYN clinic. Really think about the patients who are younger, who are being seen for malaria anomalies or PCOS, who sees those patients, and you can reach out to those attendings. In most cases, it's going to be through an REI attending. 
So my mentor in particular was an REI attending who had a special interest in um, PAGS. If not, there's also other ways to do it. You can touch base with adolescent medicine programs um, or even just talk to any alumna from your program. I also had a great mentor um, who had graduated from Penn a couple years ahead of me, and she was really great at guiding me sort of through the process. I think the ultimate goal, if you're interested, is to really see if you like the patient population. Um, So because it's pediatric and adolescents, they're much younger. It's a very different population than what you see during your OBGYN residency, which is mostly adults. So I think the most important thing is decide if you like those patients and then kind of go from there. What about um, kind of more extracurricular things, um, Amy? So like, do we have to publish in this area or um, do residents have to join a special society or anything like that? Certainly, if you're interested, I would recommend it. So like any other fellowship, um, it is important to publish or have a research project because most people do not have a dedicated PAG fellowship program um, or exposure to the pediatric and adolescent um, gynecology program the research will oftentimes be smaller. So really anything is important. You can do case reports or series, literature reviews, retrospective chart reviews. I think anything that really just demonstrates any interest in the field would be important. Um, And then there is a large society um, similar to MFM or ISRM. The main one for PAG is called NASPAG. So it's the North American Society of Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology. Um, And it's actually incredibly welcoming to trainees or people who may be interested because it's such a new and burgeoning field. So there's a ton of mentorship opportunities, research opportunities through NASPAG that can actually be done virtually if you don't have any opportunities locally or in person. Um, In addition, some NASPAG committees accept resident members. So it's a great way to get exposure to the field, to different PAG faculty and resources. Um, So I just, because I had done research before, joined the abstract committee at NASPAG. And that was kind of a way as a resident to gain exposure to all the different types of research um, and opportunities in PAG, even though I didn't have a direct um, fellowship. Got it. And then now that you're a senior resident too, I know you talked about sort of some of those publications, awards, recognition type of things, but can you be a little more specific in telling us what opportunities are out there? Yes. So I think the goal of the first two years, again, is just to dip your toes in the pond um, and gain exposure, see if it's something you're interested in. Um, And then ultimately the research that you do, I think the goal as you continue um, and become dedicated to applying to fellowship would be to publish, but also to have a poster oral presentation at NASPAG. Because it's such a tight-knit community, NASPAG is really the place where you can network and make connections. And then there are opportunities for awards or recognition. Um, So I would strongly encourage anybody who's even thinking about going into PAG to become a NASPAG member. They often will have emails um, about awards or applications, um, fellowship or research opportunities. So in particular, every year they have an outstanding resident or student award um, that you can apply to. Um, There's also an annual award um, that is given to attend the NASPAG conference every year that's fully funded. Um, And so it's just another opportunity, again, to demonstrate interest interest in the field um, and to be recognized for your interest as well. All right. So let's say, Amy, you know, someone has followed all of this advice and they've gotten their research, they have a mentor, um, they've gone to NASPAG. They're now in their, you know, third year going into their fourth year of residency. They're thinking about applying to a PAGS fellowship. What are some of the things that they should look for? 
I think that there are a lot of different things to consider, particularly because it's such a um, new and um, diverse field. There are a lot of things. There are some programs, as I learned through the interview process, that are more medically um, focused or surgically focused. So some programs are primarily surgical. If, for example, your goal is to take care of trans or gender diverse adolescents, some programs may have training in hormone management um, and other programs may have training in gender affirming surgery, but not deal with the hormone management. And some programs will do both. So I think it's important to know for yourself going in um, what is important to you and really kind of find the program that fits what kind of practice you want to have in the future. So if you're someone who wants absolutely to have a surgical practice, I think it's important to find a program that really emphasizes that. If it's not important to you, if you want to do mainly outpatient or clinical work, um, then you can focus on finding a program that doesn't have as heavy of a surgical volume. Um, other things to consider are the number and availability of faculty members. So obviously the more faculty members and exposure you have, the better your training will be. Um, and then if they're expecting you to do research or to put out a research project prior to graduation, what kind of support is there for that? Are you doing research on your own time? Is research something that's built into your schedule? Do you have statistical support and things like that? Those I think are all sort of minor. Um, the biggest thing to figure out is if you are interested in PAG period and then go from there. So tell us, Amy, once you, you know, finish with your fellowship um, in PAG, what are some of the things that you can do? Um, great question. So this is what I think. I haven't done fellowship yet, but from what I've been told from my mentors um, and from um, talking to people through NASPAG, the most common thing it seems like is to work at an academic institution. Um, and so most positions tend to partner with pediatric hospitals. Um, if you are joining an established practice, there's usually a mix of clinical responsibilities, research, teaching, OR time. Um, there's also private practice, and people tend to either do exclusively PAGs or um, they are generalists with a PAG clinic or practice. So they'll still deliver babies if that's something people are interested in, um, still practice obstetrics. Some people still practice um, adult gynecology, but will have just a PAG focus once or twice a week. And then for other people who don't want to deliver babies, they just do exclusively PAG. So I think there's, you know, like the fellowship, an extremely wide variety. Um, and one thing that I think is really interesting too, is that because PAG is growing and expanding at such a rapid rate, um, there's more demand for um, fellowship trained PAG specialists than there are current opportunities. So if you're interested in starting your own program or starting a fellowship or growing a program, there's a lot of um, role for that as well. It sounds like there's a lot of places to go with it once you're done then. Yeah, I think that's one of the really exciting things is that you can really create um, the kind of career um, and experience that you want. And again, I don't know because I haven't done fellowship yet, but it seems like because there um, are there's such a high demand for this specialty, there's a lot of room for negotiation to, to make the career that you want. All right. Well, Amy, I think this has been a really nice overview of how to think about and then apply for fellowship in pediatric and adolescent gynecology. I thank you again for such a such a wonderful overview. Thank you um, for having me again. I would love to talk to anybody who is more interested in PAGs. So if you guys are interested in PAGs, go ahead and reach out to us and we'll put you in touch with Amy. Um, but once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. Thank you.
So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CreogsOverCoffee. And if you want to support the show, go ahead and go into our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee. You can find show notes for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes and the Rosh Review Question of the Week on our website, CreogsOverCoffee.com. And if you want to reach out to us with any suggestions for future episodes, any corrections, or you want to reach out to Amy to talk about applying it to PAGS, give us uh, a shout out over at our email, CreogsOverCoffee at gmail.com.